Welcome to the Crone's Porch, magic, bitchcraft, and a liminal approach to paganism. Where we have conversations about magic, witchcraft, paganism, mythology, and our general disdain for the real world. This is your grandmother's podcast. On today's episode, we're talking about pride and being crones in quarantine. So we're Woo! trying to figure out what that means. Yeah. So our content warning is we use a lot of colorful language, lots of complaining, and general curmudgeonry. These opinions are our own, which we express as individuals following a crone path. Hi, Colin. Hi, Ian. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm excited because this is this is episode three. We've done, well, we've done a lot more episodes than this, but like three mainstay episodes is three months. Three months. We've been doing this. Yeah. that's we've, we've gotten to our quarter of the year mark. We've also gotten over a hundred listens. So it's, it's very exciting milestones that we're on right now. I know. I didn't think people would care, but I'm glad that we actually have a moderate following. Uh, uh, our regular followers, you are now cronies. <laughs> oh, that's a good name for fans. The cronies. Uh-huh. I know. Yeah. <laughs> now we need merch. So, uh, we well, need to go- be at conferences and other pod show things type cons. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> quit our yeah. main, main jobs when we have those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's start with the conferences and see where it goes. Yeah. So, uh, what you drinking? Since that's how we begin every I, episode. I am drinking. I'm drinking a alcoholic ginger beer straight from Edinburgh called Crabby's Non-Spawn. Straight from Edinburgh? Did you Did you bring it back on a plane? Yep. Or did you order it on the internet? No, no, no. It, it was It was It It was being sold. It was being sold in the store, but it is an import from Scotland. Oh, cool. um, Dope. And much like Iron Brew, horribly underrated in the United States. Oh, you can get that at Wegmans. Yeah, that's yeah, that stuff's good. I know. <laughs> you can get other things at Wegmans too. There was a, I always forget what it's called. It's a similar style orange-esque drink uh, from France that's basically just carbonated orange and tangerine juice, which is surprisingly delicious. I always forget the name of it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, that's what I'm drinking. What are you drinking? I am drinking non-spawn, although I would love because this is from our area. I'm drinking 1911 Honey Crisp. Woo! Isn't it good? I just had the Honey Crisp the other day, and it's so sweet. It is. It's really sweet. So I enjoy it. I'm a a, a purveyor of. I like sweet white wines. I like uh, sweet yes. ciders. Um, I'm not a big fan of dry. I will do a dry cider or a dry ale here and there, but uh, I'm a big fan of sweet, so it's right up my alley. Dry ciders, dry ciders, good. Um, <laughs> but um, also welcome everyone to to Pride Month. Not only are we talking about quarantine, we are talking about Pride, and it's very magical in every way. <laughs> my favorite time of year. I love Pride. It, I. I I think I like it's, it more good. than History Month in October, because that one's much more about my job, uh, so it's not as fun. This is uh, going to... I haven't done it yet, but I still want to do a New York Pride tour, uh, like going from Buffalo all the way down to New York City, because you can basically... Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> on the throughway, so I-90, you can basically hit a bunch of mainstay Pride festivals through the state of New York, um, all the way down to New York City. So you know that in the that if, if if we were all to do that car ride together, you and I would just spend the entire driving time talking about identity construction models. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, yeah, and to the much to the detriment of everyone in that car with us because they would all hate us. <laughs> it's fine, but so perhaps we should say one one for me, one for you, and one for the old crones. Clink and slancha. <laughs> Clink. Oh, it hits the spot. Oh, yes. Ah, so. <laughs> let's let's talk about quarantine, shall we? Yes. So, for because quarantine looks different, just kind of across the world, depending on what country you live in and whether your government did anything about uh, COVID, unlike ours. Uh, we are in southern tier slash central New York. So, I believe we are in, <laughs> depending on your county. 
phase two or phase three of reopening. So businesses now have curbside pickup. Some ha some restaurants now have outdoor social distance seating. Um, but that's where we're at. That's what our quarantine looks like. Face masks are required in uh, public settings, which is wonderful, even though nobody follows that. Uh, but it's nice that somebody said it's important. But uh, that's our quarantine context, just so you all know what we're talking about when we're talking about quarantine, because we don't want to try to accidentally overshadow if you're uh, New York City or another mainstay metro area, your quarantine will probably look very different from our much more rural con context. Yeah, but uh, we should also talk about how how quarantine has impacted our practices. Not gonna lie, it's kind of been the double whammy of it's summer, so I don't do all that much to begin with, and it's quarantine, so you know, I'm dealing with other things. So at the moment, it, it's been not much. How about you? I agree with 75% of that of, yes, summer is already a slow time for uh, my practice as well. Uh, much more used to snow, considering uh, that's where the family comes from, is snow country. Uh, but I will say it has given me an opportunity. And I think one thing that quarantine has afforded is a real good time to be super introspective uh with my practice about really listening in for small things not necessarily uh the the practice stuff i haven't done any divination in god knows how long i haven't made offerings in god knows how long but i've done the small stuff i've lit i've had a lot more incense burning I've done a lot more of just letting myself fall into more meditative states and not really, uh, you know, try to keep up and keep productive, like if I was in the office. Um, so, like, small things have started to pick up, and I've really took, taken the opportunity to try to really listen to uh, the space, especially since I have to be in my apartment 24-7. <laughs> so I've taken the opportunity to listen sure. to it. That's 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 good advice. I've all I think that I've also the stuff that I've done is more um, craft related. Like I've been doing more crazy crafts. crafts, crafts like I did a crafts. bunch of. <laughs> I created a a bunch of wooden charms using my wood burning kit, and nice. I've been getting into embroidery and doing pagan related embroidery stuff. So it's not traditional ritual based practice, but it's still related to practice and is a good good things to just be doing health-wise, mental health-wise. So those are those are important, too. Yeah, and I think that's really, like, if I were to ca encapsulate sort of our crone perspective on what it means to be a practicing pagan in this new and really unknown time of quarantine in a modern setting, it's the hobbies. It's, we, you know, we're, we're finally at a time <laughs> at least for now, where we've been able to strip away some of the extra goop and gunk of like having to sit in an office and maintain that era, that aura of professionalism while doing work. Yeah. Um, having to be students constantly in and out of classrooms where you're totally enveloped in the what am I doing next? Like all that has stripped away. So like while I'm on Zoom, I have, I mean. I have incense lit and, you know, while I'm in meetings or while I'm typing quarterly reports or, you know, preparing for other trainings, I, you know, I can take five minutes to sit and meditate. Or when I get that itch of like, oh, something is calling me to do something, I can just get up and walk away because I'm in my own apartment. So <laughs> if, if anything, Crohn's are taking this opportunity to say, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> Which, to be fair, is pretty pretty par for the course for a crone, but now exactly. especially. Exactly. Um, so I'm, I, and I've said this all through quarantine in more of our professional uh, groups and even our friend group. I've looked at quarantine as the opportunity to throw out everything I didn't like doing, and just redefine my stuff. So crafts, 
just doing crafts, add, adding magic into the hobbies I've wanted to pick up. Of I have a denim vest and a denim jacket that I've been wanting to put patches on forever. Some of them pagan related. I'm able now to take the time to not just sew them on in a quick thing because I want to wear it out to pride because I can't this year. Um, I've been able to take the opportunity Here. to like, <laughs> I know, to meaningfully stitch things into them. You know, take the time to do a more, I guess, pagan crafty thing of stitch. Maybe I haven't done it yet, but maybe I'll stitch some runes in to aligning or something because I have the time to. <laughs> sure. That makes total sense. Um, so it's, I would say it's using quarantine to the best advantage that you can and also being creative in what you can do. Um, yeah. Because if, you know, doing ritual online while intimidating at first, we found it actually actually pretty pretty simple you you can really use your magic to connect in a virtual space even if you're not able to inhabit the same physical space and it works just as well yeah i mean you'll have people that are like it's not the same i don't get the same buzz and if that's if that's your experience 100 percent valid but connection is connection whether it was uh, you know we made the 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 spiritual connection with our group that was undeniable we added intentional practices like we did a little bit more in setting the space because casting a circle remotely is a little bit harder because the circle is all sorts of wonky space wonky shapes so we added a little bit more intentional work um by calling in uh, a presence to help us maintain connection rather than the circle doing just that but it worked really well I don't think like it really we, did. It did. It was it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. It was really did we <laughs> we did a cord cutting for some of our students, and that was a little bit difficult on my end because seeing a cord in a virtual space was a little bit different than I expected it to be, but it was there, clearly visible, clearly did it. So this is an opportunity to create a new, take the crone thing and just do it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's 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 a great time to really push push the boundaries without getting too caught up in feelings of obligation. Yeah, this is not an obligation time. It's a time to do what you want to do, and not feel bad about it. Exactly. Like there's all those. Oh, I missed the the ritual because homework got in the way, or oh, I didn't feel like driving. Or, oh, you know, all those excuses that we tend to pull out when we just don't want to do something and we struggle to be honest about that. Now we have a free, you have a free excuse all the time now. It's quarantine. We're in a pandemic. Use it. Live your truth. <laughs> do what you want. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so... We've, we've, we've kind of covered that topic, and we've talked about it before, but uh, new main segment for Tid this month, because it's so exciting, is Pride Month, and Ooh. that is amazing. I love this time. It's very disappointing that we have to not share physical space, but it's still worth celebrating, so... 100%. So we should start because we don't know anything about our listeners because they haven't emailed us. And you can email us at cronesports at gmail.com with, you know, just how you're doing. If you have feedback, please email us, cronesports at gmail.com. But since we don't know anything about any of our listeners, uh, besides some people that we know personally, uh, we should just like run through a little bit of the history of Pride. Give people a nice context for what we love so much. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree, and probably a very, very, very brief abridged history of the um, important events and dates. So we should probably start with the earliest one on our list, which is August 1966, the Compton Cafeteria Riots in San Francisco, California. Ian, would you like to give us like a two, three sentence synopsis of why, why that's important? Yeah, so 
the first thing uh, that's really important uh, about the Compton Cafeteria riots is that it predates Stonewall. So a lot of folks understand that Stonewall is the quintessential liberation riot of the modern gay and trans rights movement. But there was whole a whole host of smaller and other uh, moments in gay liberation history before that. And Compton Cafeteria Riots is one of the larger ones, and even more so than uh, Stonewall, um, it too was an uprising. It just, um, it de- and it doesn't get the, the uh, respect it deserves as part of the gay liberation movement. So August 1966 in San Francisco, um, there was the be- it marked the beginning of transgender activism in San Francisco and was kind of the culmination of lots of, again, just like Stonewall, um, continued unjust police brutality, all of that that culminated in the incident when a transgender woman resisted arrest by throwing coffee at a police officer, then following, again, you know, uprising and riots in the streets in Compton. So Compton Cafeteria Riots. If you don't know it, you should do your history, folks. Uh, We came from somewhere. It's important to know where we came from. Yeah. So the next bullet point would be June 28th to July 3rd, 1969, Stonewall Uprising in Greenwich Village, New York, New York. Um, so the Stonewall Uprising was resistance to a police raid on the Stonewall Inn, which was a hotspot for um queer people as well as disenfranchised youth and homeless youth in Greenwich Village and it lasted for uh five five days where basically it was it was violence back and forth in resistance to ongoing police harassment and violence towards the queer community as well as just the the poor and street community in the area um it's kind of become the iconic event in the queer liberation movement but as ian described it's not the only one nor is it the the one thing that started everything it was just a very dramatic point from which things began to develop very quickly uh but it's not something that was particularly new yeah and this is where we get a lot of our icons of history um this is where we get Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, um, as two of the icons of the gay liberation movement, starting STAR, which I can never remember what STAR stands for. Uh, Street. Uh, I, I always forget the acronym, but it's a really cool one. Uh, Let's take a look. Yeah. Oh, Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. That's what it is. See? Iconic. <laughs> Iconic. Um, so, yeah. And this led to... Um, and I think the reason why everyone takes Stonewall as the quintessential, you know, start of the gay liberation movement is because Stonewall is kind of what led to the culmination of what we know as Pride today. So Compton Cafeteria Riots, an important moment in gay liberation history, but Stonewall is after that the organizing that came out of it, the uh, the icons, the leadership that came out of it is kind of what makes it different a little bit. So we have June twenty seventh, nineteen seventy, Chicago Gay Liberation March, kind of one of the first organized marches for queer pride, for gay pride um, that kind of came out of the Stonewall Uprising the year before. And then the next day, June 28th, 1970, we get Christopher Street March, which the Stonewall Inn is on Christopher Street. So this is the beginnings of what we know as Pride Today. This is where the Pride Marches come from. Um, They were uh, all those um, phrases of Pride was a riot. This is why those phrases exist, because the first Pride came from a riot. The marches were in direct opposition to everything that was going on. It was direct opposition to homonormativity or heteronormativity. Um, Even in a way, it was opposition to homonormativity, this idea that 
we're here, we're queer, we're not your button up. Um, we fit. We don't fit into your society, so we're going to march and really make our claim that Christopher Street, this area, which I can't remember, it's it, it's the it passes Stonewall Inn. It's between two yes. parks, one of them being a mainstay for sex workers at the time, and especially queer homeless people. To I can never remember the end of the march, but again, very intentional. Here's where you corral us. This is the place where we do our sex work and we live as homeless people people struggling against the system we're going to march down this street that we have claimed for ourselves through our uprising the year before and say we are here this is us get used to it yeah and so it it's uh, at its beginning it was an intersectional movement oh, yeah. focusing on liberation however even then there was a pushback often what was at the time called the transvestite community now is much more what we call the trans community um was was they tried to push push them out however not entirely successful there's a great video of sylvia rivera turning a crowd around and i would really suggest you watch it um yes we'll have to link it and (laughs) and it 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 is it is inspiring but it's always it's always or at not always it has become less and less so, but it has at the beginning started out. A lot of the people involved were they were of many different queer identities. A lot of them were homeless. A lot of them were sex workers. A lot of them were people of color. It was a huge movement across many different divides, and it has sort of become a white, <laughs> gender binary, rich focused. Yeah. Event. I will nowadays, say, which is super unfortunate. I know. Uh, I want to link this maybe on our social media at some point, but there's a, a wonderful video uh, by Dean Spade, who's a, a, I don't know if he's still a law professor at uh, University of Washington, um, but he's a, a trans lawyer, really big in sort of the legal battles for trans folks. But there's a video where he talks about um, that kind of switch that Stonewall Uprising very clearly is oppressed people saying police are harming us. We do not want them anywhere near us. They don't help us. They don't, you know, if we're victims of crimes, they don't help us. If we're in need of help, they we don't call them because they don't come and help us. And slowly but surely, I, I think he references more mid-90s kind of post post AIDS epidemic once the AIDS epidemic kind of ebbs a little bit back once you know medicine and all of that once it is not as much of a a mainstay issue we see a real switch all of a sudden police are at pride you get the fancy rainbow cop cars and all the corporations because AIDS epidemic really wiped out a lot of the we'll call them anti-assimilation activists because those are the people who were being infected. They had little access to healthcare, little access to resources to actually help them fight AIDS and HIV. And so they were all majority wiped out. And so what filled the void is our more privileged part of the community, our our affluent white gay men, our affluent white gay women. Um, That's what started to fill the void. And that's when the conversation shifted to, it's all about marriage. It's all about... um, acceptance you know corporate sponsorships for pride cops at pride um and that's what we've come to today so that shift from very anti-police to police are our friend we just need hate crime laws is uh is i should post that video because it it really lays out that history that um unfortunately our younger members of the community really miss out on and that's how we get to our own community understanding our history and understanding that we're just as much anti-police and anti-prison as the Black Lives Matter movement is now, um, and that we were uh, that that is very much our struggle as much as it is their struggle. Yeah, no, I, it's it's incredibly important to talk about those those issues, um, and. Unfortunately, it is not the focus of our podcast to talk about this history, but there's plenty to go look at. So if you're interested, 
I really suggest you do so. But perhaps we should sort of move on to the intersection of being queer and pagan and what that means in Pride Month. So <laughs> we have some historical per perspectives. Ian, do you have a particular particular anecdotes you'd like to share? Um, so it's not so much anecdotes, but I always find it interesting because we have this theory that <laughs> while it's definitely not a majority because you know, um, LGBTQ plus queer trans identified folks are usually not majorities in most communities. Um, there is a really strong correlation between queer and trans identities and pagan identities. And I mean, I have a theory. I think it's because people, you know, are so disenfranchised by the religions that they come out of. Not everyone, obviously, can't speak for all, but that was uh, definitely my experience, you know. The Christian Roman yeah. Catholic faith. Me not, too. <laughs> not very good for queers and trans folks. Um, and so there's always this like search for something that still feels like home, that thing you were raised in, but offers space for you. And I think that's where this intersection of queer and paganism really comes in because if, I mean, historically gender is not looked at in the way that we do now, we couldn't say to our ancestral communities, these are your men and these are your women. That wouldn't make sense to them. So I think there's this really interesting space um, that pagan faith allows for gender and uh, sexual exploration that I think is wonderful and I love so much. Yeah, and as a faith that revels in the ability to handle multiple truths at once and being able to have an open space that's not corralled by dogma or any particular religious text, I think it also provides a space where we don't have to make excuses or find, try to find histor historical um examples of our identity but rather it's just a free-for-all as to what's your identity and does it really does it really need to line up with anything not really so it's a nice free open space where you don't have to run into those those walls as much not always the case but i think in in a lot of people's experiences it's a, it's a nice clean slate on which to do whatever you want yeah, so what has been your experience being pagan and queer? What is What are some things that really uh, um, highlights? I would say that I, 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 I've never identified as, like, like they, they've both gone hand in hand for mm. my entire experiences with both, because I had basically been out for a year and come to terms with that by the time I started taking a, on a pagan identity. So it, for me, it, it's been part and parcel. So it's, it's, it's more like both define incredibly important parts of who I, of who I am. And I wouldn't give one more so than the other because they're both so important. Um, I, I would say it's interesting because I, I pass entirely as a cis male white man um and not only that but i i don't appear particularly queer to most people's eyes that i've been discriminated against even with people who know i'm gay discriminated against for my faith far more than my sexuality so i find that kind of an interesting situation to be in granted it reflects a lot of other privileges but it's 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 interesting to me that 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 is generally what people have a problem with rather than my sexuality. So that is that is that has been interesting. And also, I found that um, gender and sexuality is not a set thing for deities, which we'll talk about a bit later. So I've never had any conflicts in my relationships within my faith either. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's kind of been the experience is just sort of I have an open pasture in which to wander and like the woods <laughs> and fields of my faith are completely devoid of all of, of, of bullshit. And I just get to figure out what's going on. How about for you? What has that been? That's so, been like, I have definitely, uh, I think if I were, I think I have a similar experience in that, uh, being pagan and being queer were kind of synonymous. Uh, I think they were taking two separate journeys. They didn't really come together until much later. Um, so I was consciously experiencing 
uh, queerness and an understanding of gender first while kind of exploring pagan stuff on the side. Um, then coming to college uh, and finding an actual pagan group that could be like, here, don't just Google on the internet and find the random ass resources that <laughs> half of them are just based on fantasy video games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so once I found that type of space and the pagan side started to like officially kick off, not just be some, some, sub, some subconscious side project, then they started to actually come together and coincide. I think what my experience being a little bit different, I have gotten both. So in some spaces, I am very much uh, passing as a cis male, which is annoying, but I do it, it, it happens, whatever. Um, and in those spaces, yes, I've had a similar experience of a lot more people are jarring or much more against pagan faith. You get the whole, do you eat children? sacrifice chicken you know we get you get all the stereotypes uh most of which somehow are unrelated to being to white paganry which is really funny um that we get all the other stereotypes which is bad um but i but in spaces where i'm much more known or outwardly trans and queer especially in pagan spaces i've gotten a lot of flack for it i've gotten a lot of queer phobia and transphobia i've gotten a lot of i've met um, not necessarily in the pagan group that I was in because uh, Mary is amazing. Our group was awesome. Couple, you know, every once in a while, weird folks that would show up for a meeting and then disappear forever <laughs> because I don't know if they handled the queer and transness of our space, which was wonderful. Um, but I've met like pagans in other outside groups, other I guess more casual community groups that had some interesting opinions, very steeped in Western modern queer phobia and transphobia, very much. Uh, believing in a gender binary, that there are men, there are women, and it's based on biology. And then extending that to, to deities, that this god is a man, that's how it's written in text, so it must be true, you know. And then it's for someone to come in and very much live a life and a truth outside of that, they very much had problems with it. Very much... I, no one ever attacked the validity of my faith and practice, but definitely you could tell people felt some type of way about, uh, you know, believing Thor could be a woman <laughs> or that sometimes Thor would show up as a, a badass butch lesbian, you know, and that people found issue with that. So uh, pagan spaces are not, especially, uh, white pagan spaces are not outside of grand transphobia and i've dealt with my own experience uh with that uh, very much the organized group more so than um just the the random pagans hanging out um but yeah i have faced that essentialism that gender binary wall and it's annoying as hell the other thing is the conflation of queer identity and pagan identities uh the talk about coming out of the broom closet annoys me to this day oh yeah Um, that is incredibly annoying because yes there is an experience of telling people that you're pagan um but i think we just need to find a different adage for it than broom closet because that feels very much steely (laughs) from queer communities and so i hate that yeah it's it's also like not the same <laughs> set of experiences necessarily. No, no, it is not. Especially having gone through both of them, they're not. <laughs> they're not. No, the same. not really. Um, I've had I've I've found similar things. Not so much homophobia because I really haven't ha- been able to interact with a lot of people because I've been stuck in situations where they're other pagans are few and far between but i have kind of encountered that sort of like the 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 heteronormativity to the extreme the idea that deities will have very set sexualities without any question Uh which doesn't make any sense especially since they're based on resources that have been cleansed of all their of all their alternatives by translated christian christian christianity islam and judaism so i i I feel like it's 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 a little bit self-defeating in in (laughs) in that particular avenue for sure um but it does also raise the question of 
you know, there's lots of projecting backwards in time. Oh, that yes. goes for for all identities. So just the idea of the gender binary can't be projected backwards. The idea of straight or queer can't be projected backwards because yep. they aren't identities that were there within cultures in the past. Mm-hmm. Yep. We they wouldn't even identify themselves as pagan because the concept of a pagan is defined against Abrahamic religion and that didn't <laughs> exist in their cultures. So these the idea these ideas can't really be imposed on ancestors faiths or native faiths that no longer exist they just didn't exist back then and that's the shit i am always flabbergasted when a pagan is basically trying to modern explain to me how um the, the you know Odin and Frigga's marriage is, you know, how we enshrine heterosexual marriage today. Like, that is their reasoning. I'm always flabbergasted. I'm like, do your ancestors not love you enough to explain that centuries ago none of what you're saying makes sense? Like, do your ancestors not love you enough? Like, I would, I want, I want to know. I would love to ask one of these, you know, uh, homophobic, transphobic, white supremacist nazi odinist do their ancestors just not love them enough and probably they've been abandoned by their ancestors if we're being honest about it very possible (laughs) i hope they don't deserve their ancestors i will be their ancestors so all of you ancestors who have an asshole white supremacist nazi as your ancestor who are looking for someone to root for and support i will freely take the support (laughs) come come to i will worship you i will give you your due diligence i will respect you for the the work that you have done in the past to get your family to where it is just to have them ruin it i will i will carry you onward that's a call i am willing to take that that is that is fair that is absolutely (laughs) fair um but maybe we should start to talk about like cool queer magic things and deities that have particularly caught our interest in that but there's like no end to them just some just some <laughs> particular examples oh definitely some particular examples uh just as a recap uh the ways in which we talk about these uh deities will be using modern adi- adage but uh we do not protect these identities backwards so um there's just the language we have for today but just as a psa yeah so uh, one example um, I would say is not it, it's it's kind of problematic, but Hermaphrodite, uh, the child of Hermes and Aphrodite, who is kind of the god of intersex identity. However, you know that's up to the community itself. But this idea of a child that is neither male nor female in the ancient Greek sense of the words, so genitive almost having both aspects of what they saw as as the ability to generate life so it's an interesting example um Uh, but we have loki and thor and we're very excited (laughs) about this one i love so loki is my all-time favorite i just love loki as a a deity i love i love tricksters i think it's no no secret by now that we both love trickster deities they are one of our favorite subset of deities we just love a person that doesn't give a fuck. Um, but Loki, I love just because Loki transcends not only gender binaries. Loki has been any and all genders um, throughout all the Adas. Like through in text, Loki has been a variety of genders. But Loki also just transcends, you know, a species, which I think is a, a, a beautiful metaphor about like a gendered experience that uh, it's so socially constructed that. Um, we can even transcend it <laughs> species-wise, and that's a fun, a fun way to even break it down further. That what's to say that I can't be a horse and you can't be a squid? Like, what's stopping us? They're just social concepts. <laughs> it's 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 true, and um, Loki Loki is great. But I mean, even Thor, like there is a story in which Thor cross dresses to get his hammer back. Yeah. Um, Freely and, and proudly. Also, like, and like, and like you said, what's to say that Thor can't appear? However, Thor wants to appear. 
I mean, it's even the most prototypically masculine presenting deities are not bound by human concepts of sexuality and gender. Mm-hmm. Like, I know from my own experience that the Morrigan and the Dogda absolutely are not. They do not have any huge investment in being one particular gender or sexuality. They just really like the concepts of gender and sexuality in their fluidity. They really like sex, and they like doing it however they feel like doing it. Yeah, I mean, we had that uh, experience with our uh, student groups where um, uh, Breed showed up in various forms to different students. It's true. In the same space, at the same time sharing that moment (laughs) yeah it's 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 pretty open um i mean you also have like little little mentions like kukulin who is kind of rides the line between hero and god but um pretty pretty well well insinuated in the stories that kukulin was into men as much as women Mm -hmm. um and had and had a a male lover who unfortunately he had to kill um because to be fair it was they it was both their decisions like it was it wasn't like it was like some tragic like you know kill your kill your gays type of story nowadays it was more like both were fighting for honor and glory and it just unfortunately happened that they were fighting each other and both were very sad about it um but, you know, like we were talking about, all deities transcend these human categories, and they yes. will appear differently to different people. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to be limited in our thoughts about things. Yeah. So if you are, for example, a, non, a non-binary identifying person, Thor can be as, non, as non-binary as you, or more so. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be, you know, Thor in the masculine <laughs> to be Thor. Yes. My, some of my favorite conversations, most of them have been on the internet, have been with, like, at one time when I worshipped uh, her as Artemis, now it's Devana because that's actually within my cultural heritage. Um, there are lots of internet conversations I had with folks, some of them who very much saw Artemis as, like, an asexual icon, and I who saw uh, her as a, an agender icon, but we were able to, like, freely talk about our both love of Artemis in both of those fashions because both of them were real true and honest they didn't invalidate each other and that's the cool thing about deities how they show up to you is how they show up to you if someone hasn't told you that and you're on your pagan journey and you're worried that you don't see thor as uh, a chris hemsworth-esque macho dude the person telling you that is wrong you can see thor however you damn well please yeah it's it it's really true if you have a an open and honest relationship with deities they they will even if they don't appear to you as you know in the exact same identity as you they will more often than not i think for most most people i have never actually heard that it's the in the other case is that they will be perfectly accepting and affirming of your identities they have no stock nor power in human prejudice that's not how they operate because it achieves nothing for them yep very much so. So to say all that, gods and deities, pagan side, cool, open, and awesomely gay and queer. <laughs> it's it, it's true. Yeah, the queers so. own the gods, and we can stamp that. This is now a <laughs> gods are queer now. Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about some cool <laughs> queer magic that that we do. Of course. There's any infinite number of things you could do, but use some of our own examples. Um, let's see. I had a friend. I don't remember. Uh, it wasn't exactly uh, paganist related, but I had a friend who used to. There, one of the ways that they um, did offerings was they used to offer their um, use needles, like that was their that that pain, uh, the the pain of doing the shot, and then the dropping of a needle into a designated uh, receptacle, not like a garbage, but like a little thing that they would clean out every so often, was a way that they did offering. Like their um, experience of pain in this transition was their offering. Gay-ass trans magic. 
I dabbed. You can't see, but I dabbed. <laughs> that, yeah. Um, I've sometimes asked deities to help me with romance less in the in the uh, I don't do. I'm trying to manipulate other people magic, but more along the lines of I want confidence because I'm a notoriously anxious being and social things can be very overwhelming. <laughs> so I have Angus O, son of the Dagda. He's the kind of the patron god of love in the like lusty. I'm open sense. and awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, he's kind of my like yes queen friend. Yeah, very effective in terms of like doing doing confidence around flirtation and and um, wooing and courtship and just feeling cool and sexy in a space. Like even if no one's wanting to pay attention to you romantically or sexually, just even the I'm here inhabiting this space and I own it as much as any of you. And that that's a very like and you could do the same thing with with like a, a, a sovereignty deity who's very much about like self-sovereignty and be like, I don't care what the rest of you think. I'm claiming myself and my sexuality and my identity. And this is me. You've got to figure out what's wrong with you. Exactly. So these, yes. these sorts of things you can claim, you can claim your identity and your, your pride in yourself with help from deities. I mean, again, I am from a more Celtic oriented tradition. So like a Gaelic tradition, but from my experience, sovereignty gods and goddesses uh, love that shit. They will be all in for anything you want to do in that regard. <laughs> They're also mostly fertility focused, so they really also love it when you're like, I want to do this and feel awesome and be cool and, uh, you know, impress people. And they will be like, yes, absolutely on board. What are we doing? <laughs> yes. The thing, also... they don't the thing they don't like is when you're like being being mean to yourself or being indecisive. Like they, <laughs> oh, yes. they're not super about that yeah. because they are they are all about like that fertility and sovereignty and self-confidence and they 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 expect you to be able to like advocate for yourself and they will totally be behind your back. So, not saying you shouldn't go to them. They will help you, but like th the connection in my experience won't be as strong unless you are like really committed to the idea of this is what I want to do. And they'll be mm -hmm. like I absolutely support you. Yeah, doing that. I also love so uh, in a lot of the trans communities I was a part of. Again, not too much pagan focus, but uh, the more the magicy side. Uh, <laughs> the trans communities that I was a part of, we really loved uh, all things related to death. Not in the dying sense, but in the transition sense. We had lots of folks who had either patches or a tattoos to the death card in tarot um lots of death deities lots of so we just we love to use I, I bet you you meet a trans person who is remotely magic focused they will tell you who their favorite transition deity is and usually somehow related to death because those are the easiest to find but i love our obsession with death in the cool sense of transitioning <laughs> yeah i mean a good example that isn't that is and isn't death related i'd say it's probably janus who is literally the god of transitions yeah um he's the two-faced god so he looks into the past and to the future also to the living and the dead and like his whole deal is like thresholds too so if you want to move from one stage of your life to another whether that's a gender journey or a sexuality journey or a, just a general life journey janus is there to help you help you through and ease that transition and help you also to make a clean break if that's what you really need so he is a a two-headed a two-headed ally amen and anything oh one one thing i always love to tell people is like any magic is queer magic if you are doing tarot reading i mean don't literally you could you could throw some glitter on it <laughs> just make it gay you doing it makes it queer if you identify in that way so any magic you do is queer magic there's not necessarily a specific book of queer magic and if it is i would take that with a grain of salt because someone's trying to profit off of it it's also a good point <laughs> there's plenty there's plenty of gay and queer magic things that are intended for profit that doesn't necessarily make them the the be-all and end-all of queer pagan life so this month we have decided to forgo our bitchcraft 
in in favor of doing a PSA, considering the uh, social movements around the world, especially around Black Lives Matter. So we are kind of drawing a line in the sand and defining our space as the Crone's Porch. So we here at the Crone's Porch take ownership of our platform and our space. And as two white folks living in the United States who want to be intentional about our place as privileged people on stolen land built upon forced labor and exploitation, especially of indigenous peoples and peoples of the African diaspora. Yeah, and we want to take responsibility to live in a liberation space and to listen to Black leaders, especially now as the world is lit up by protest against violence perpetrated by law enforcement against Black lives. We believe it is the moral duty of a pagan to support the liberation of oppressed lives and to listen to Black voices and to make an effort to learn and dismantle white supremacy in our spaces. We also believe that battling injustice is one of the pillars of pagan faith and that perpetuating injustice is against the moral spirit of our religion. So we're dedicating this space to be one of learning, intentional work towards justice and inclusion, and we will not tolerate injustice in our space. It's okay to have ignorance, but willfulness in that ignorance or pride in injustice is against all that we believe in, and we will not stand for it. We encourage everyone, regardless of their beliefs, to join Black communities in resisting the atrocities continually done upon them by police, to call for accountability, and to educate themselves. We have magic in our hands, and that magic can and should be used for good. So we're going to provide resources of pagan groups, civic groups, and other resources to help educate one on the issues at hand. And if you're a white listener, please, please do not drown out Black voices, but rather use your privilege and magic to uplift those voices for justice. We do not pretend to know the struggle of Black lives and bodies, but we do know it is our duty to assist in the struggle for liberation of oppressed peoples everywhere. We are also going to provide links to opportunities of action. These links are for bail funds, Black-led organizations, and other ways to donate time and money to people on the front lines of liberation. Yes, and so what are some things that you are doing, Colin? Because it is important to demonstrate, well, demonstrate, provide example, <laughs> since we are ownership, <laughs> owning this platform. It's true. So what I've been doing is, um, of course, time and money is limited, but I have been to protests in my local community. Um, I have been listening to, um, uh, list, not really listening sessions, I'm sorry, but um, town halls done online by the NAACP, and I have donated to two um, Black community building and uh, community help organizations online. So I would also say that people can use this time to educate themselves. I've been reading lots of articles um, about uh, racial injustice as well as just racialized learning and breaking down ideas of um, white in innocence and ignorance. Mm -hmm. So that is that is what I've been doing. Ian, do you have any examples? Yeah, so one of the things that I love doing is diversifying my media intake. So I ever, I try to do this as often as I can. So monthly um, or bi-monthly, I take a look at the types of Instagrams or Twitters or, you know, uh, accounts that I'm following and making sure that uh, I am intaking as much um, content from Black creators, for me specifically Black trans and Black queer creators, um, as I am their white counterparts. So if I am following... Um, What's, if I'm following pagan accounts, I try to also follow black pagan accounts so that I am getting voices um, off, that are often marginalized in those spaces. That's one thing I like to do. Also, if you're not like we are both just out of grad school uh, trying to find and or in jobs that uh, do not pay a lot um, while covering bills and stuff um, and money is tight. So but there are ways that you can be donating money without uh, donating your own money. So there are lots of YouTube channels that will link in our podcast description that are just playlists of monetized videos by black creators and one of the cool things you can do is you can have those playing in the background um uh, while you're doing other work and the ad revenues actually translate to money to causes and organizations which is really cool be sure that you're cycling through videos because if you constantly play the same video eventually those views are seen as a bot and are discounted and that doesn't go towards ads revenues but there are lots of playlists that cycle through videos for you to help um, get money to people even if you yourself don't have money so there are lots of ways to be involved i'm also intentionally trying to involve in local groups so in here in the binghamton area 
finding the Black-led and Black-queer-led Binghamton organizations to know what's happening here and now, not just what's happening nationally. Yeah, these are great examples, and we will try to provide resources um, through our our podcast. Yeah. But we can also, on the sa- on a similar note, talk about our crone of the month, and I thought this time we should talk about two who are very much connected, but that being Tyr and Nuwada, our one-handed cronish justice gods. <laughs> so Tyr, if, as many of you may know, if you follow Norse stuff, is the one-handed god of justice, war, and strategy. Um, he had his hand bitten off as sort of sacrifice to the Fenris wolf when Odin decided to bind him because Odin's afraid of dying. Uh, yeah. Tyr is very much a crone in that he is kind of old and stern, but also very much not interested in all of the Aesir bullshit. Yes. And very much more interested in in doing what's right and doing doing things well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Tyr, and it's also Tyr really takes that long standing approach. He uh in being a god of war, he is not god of battle. He does not uh concern himself with small squabbles for dominance or pride he sees really the long arm of conquest and battle and he will freely give in if it suits his needs so i I like that he takes that cronish approach of i see the whole time span i know that right now is not my time but i will wait even if that's 100 years until it's my time to do the thing yeah and on a similar note probably because their myths are related and by our own, if you go back to our, our tinfoil hat theory, may <laughs> even be similar or the same gods, is Nuwada from the Tuwa de Damen, um, who lost his hand in battle, uh, got it replaced by a silver one, and eventually another hand. But he is a god of kingship, but not kingship in the idea of autocracy, but rather of the king as the fair ruler. That you walk as as any person in a position of power you walk in a very fine line between tyranny and good governance and the moment that you cross the line into tyranny you should be removed from power and that justice should be meted out equitably and fairly not necessarily everyone is equal in punishment but rather everyone should be judged by the standard that is most appropriate and that those who oppress should be cast down um by law or by by action so nawada is very much about that active approach to good leadership and that if you fail it's not it's not a place where you'll necessarily get to be forgiven that you have this responsibility and if you abuse it then you have to live with the consequences mm-hmm. so those are our those are our crone cronish justice gods and nawada is very much crone in that he is not only old but he is very concerned about um, community and how to take care of everyone as they are now, rather than trying to fit people to society. So and God's bless them. <laughs> uh, they're both great. They're both really great. Truly, truly great. All right. Um, so we still don't have feedback from anyone. Uh, once again, you can email us at cronesport at gmail.com if you have any feedback, or if you just want to you know, shout out a cool comment cool things to add to the conversation you know if we had feedback we would uh freely tell you feedback and it can be anonymous um so please if you have things or if you're uh someone who wants to sponsor us like uh 1911 uh cider or beacon's gift uh beacon's gift what are you called cider beacon's gift apple orchard that's the word <laughs> if you want to sponsor <laughs> us you can email us at cronesports at gmail.com and uh we'll get in contact and talk about it but <laughs> absolutely so what's in our news section what's going on in the world well huh? there's plenty going on in the world um and we are not qualified to discuss a lot of it nor could we cover it all but one important thing that we are doing is we've been building up for the last couple months hello everyone uh just a quick update on our litha live stream so we will be doing our litha live stream on facebook at crone porch c-r-o-n-e-p-o-r-c-h on saturday june 27th at 3 p.m u.s eastern standard time come hang out with us as we educate ourselves about litha since we both have no idea what litha is and as we do some litha theme activities that we figure out on the fly 
see what we actually look like, see how weird we are, and come hang out with us and have questions. Also, if you happen to not be available at that time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on June 27th, the Litha live stream will be available as a video in our Facebook feed, as well as we'll be posting it to our YouTube channel that we will be creating. So if you miss it, you can catch it there. Also, we'll be uploading it as a podcast on wherever you stream podcasts, so here on Spotify or on iTunes podcast. So if you happen to miss it and can't get it in video form or you just want to listen to it while you drive to work, you can also catch it there. So once again, we'll be doing our Litha live stream on June 27th at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live. So coming out with us. Yeah, and I think that that wraps up our episode for this month. Um, I don't know about you all. I'm psyched. I'm psyched for for Pride, but I've been having a little bit of a sleepy month. So hopefully we can all wake ourselves up and start doing things. But I will say, Shlan. And I would say those of Dania. And don't forget to follow us on, well, on Facebook, Crone Porch, and on Instagram, Crone's Porch, um, to see what we're doing. Sometimes we post book recommendations. Neither of us are too active because we're Crones and technology scares us. But we sometimes post, and you should interact with us. So hang out with us on social media. Yeah. So have a lovely Pride, and we will see you later this month and next month. Bye. Bye-bye.